at this time, as we move forward, um, we once again find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, we are in Ephesians chapter 1, um, in verse number 8 through uh, 14. We're in Ephesians chapter 1, in verses number 8 through 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 8 through 14, we find ourselves again here as we continue to, um, um, in this series uh, that we've been preaching the last three weeks uh, um, in Ephesians chapter 1, in Christ, in Christ. So this week we will look at in Christ part 3. And this is the last uh, sermon in the series, the three-part series, looking at in Christ uh, part three, Ephesians chapter one, uh, verses eight through 14. Let us pray. Father God, you are amazing. Thank you so much. Be with us today, Lord God. Decrease me that you may increase. Let your word go forth with power that lives may be changed, that lives may be impacted. We need you, Lord God. Bring someone on our feed where they may ask, what do I need to do to be saved? We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 8. Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 8, says, Which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he uh, purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of the time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him, we also have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worked all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted trust in Christ should be the praise of his glory. In him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having, been, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, a promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of of his glory. My God, my God, thank you so much for that, God, and your word. On this morning, once again, I want to speak to you from the topic, In Christ, part three. In Christ, part three. As I reflect back a couple of weeks ago when I was on vacation in July, um, God was continuing to pour into my heart this message. I was talking to a, a lot of believers, old and young, and by talking to them, I, I found out that a lot of them was discouraged, that a lot of them was, was hopeless, and, and a lot of them had problems with trying to, to figure out what is going on with this pandemic. They, 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 they just was trying to, to wrap their mind around how long we're going to be in this pandemic. Hasn't this been long enough? They're they trying to figure out, like, am I going to lose my job? 
or, 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 or how long would, would I be out of work? Or, or how long would the, the job market be like this? People are trying to figure out what, what are we going to do about school? How long is, how long is this, this uh, going to last where, where the children will be educated from home? Or, or is my, will my child be able to, to go back to college and be safe? People are, are trying to figure out, like, uh, uh, how am I going to pay my bills? How, how am I going to have enough money to, to, to pay the, the bills that I, that I have to keep my home from going in foreclosure, to uh, stop me from getting evicted out of my apartment? How am I going to pay my, my car? No, how am I going to pay my, my kids' tuition or, or college? How, how am I going to do this? How am I going to provide even for the, the, the essential things of food? How, how am I going to do this? How, how are we going to be able to, to work this out? How long are we going, we going to be in this pandemic? A, a, a lot of people are, are, are perplexed and, and, and discouraged and, and they're hopeless in this, in this time of, of, of a pandemic, this, this, this uh, a financial pandemic, this, this sickness pandemic. This, uh, a lot is going on in our mind and we think in all kinds of ways. People's mental health are breaking down. Hospitals are are overfloated. Teachers are scared to go back. Parents don't, don't know what to do. Children can't hang out with their friends anymore. We, we parents are overprotected. Even last night, Jackson said, Dad, can I go to Davis and Bust David and Busters? I said, no, because David and Busters is a, is a gathering inside. You need to go somewhere outside. We, 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 we restrict our, our children from, from being children and, and hanging out the way they, they used to because we don't know what's going on. And this pandemic has have, have shocked us and, and rocked our faith and, and, and rocked our courage and, and, and really caused us to doubt who God is. This pandemic got us thinking so crazy and, and, and so many things are going on mentally in our lives and, and we don't know how to handle it. And, and, and God spoke to me on vacation and said, you need to preach my word that in Christ. And he led me to this Ephesians chapter one. To encourage you. To motivate you. To lift you up. To let you know that that in Christ, God got us. Let you know the, the, the benefits that, that, that God has blessed us with as we are in Christ. To let you know the position that we have in Christ. And he said, go to Ephesians chapter 1 and lay it out for them. And this last three weeks, we've been going through Ephesians chapter 1. As a matter of fact, on August the 9th, we've seen that in Christ, in verse 3, through five, we've seen that in Christ we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing God has blessed us with. Every single blessing that God has for us spiritually, we already received. Then we've seen that, that in Christ, we've seen that in verse four that we have been chosen. That's the spiritual blessing. Every verse after verse three lays out the spiritual blessings that we have been blessed with. Nita, Danita, you have been blessed with, you have been chosen. In Christ, we have been chosen. In Christ, we, we have been adopted into the family. Shelly, Craig, we have been adopted into the family. We learned that on August the 9th as we looked at In Christ Part 1. But then we went on to In Christ Part 2 on 
August the 16th, and we've seen that in verse 6 and 7b, we've seen that we have the grace of God, that God's grace, Sam, was pulled upon us. La Monica, God, God's grace has been pulled upon us. Uh, uh, Sarita, God's grace has been pulled upon your life that we've seen that not only a, a, that God's grace has been with us because we're in Christ, but because we're in Christ, we also have redemption through his blood. Sister Polk, Sister Brown, we, Brother John, we have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. That through the blood that, that Jesus Christ has shed, we have been redeemed, Rob. We have been redeemed, Howard. We have been redeemed, Joe. We have been redeemed, Deacon Dixon. We have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, Ray. Jada, not only that, in Christ, we have forgiveness of sin. That Jesus Christ has forgiven us for, for all our sin, past, present, and future, because we're in Christ. And we come today and we look at being in Christ. Part three, Marsha, being in Christ, Lachelle, being in Christ, Tiffany, being in Christ, part three, that Paul lays out for us four more encouragements to encourage you and I. That in this time of pandemic, we got to know who we are. We got to know our position in Christ. We got to know who we are in Christ. We got to know the benefits, Bonnie and Cheryl. We need to know the benefits. Charlene, we need to know the benefits that we have in Christ. And he lays out for us four new benefits and positions that we hold in Christ because we are in Christ. He says here, he says, because we're in Christ. He says, because we're in Christ right here, he says, because we in Christ, he says, that we have been given wisdom and understanding of the things of God. Look at verse 9, 8 and 9. He says, in Christ, we have received wisdom and understanding of the things of God. Look at verse 9. Verse, nine, uh, verse 8 and 9, look what it says. It said, which he had made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he uh, purposed in himself. He says that in Christ, we have been given wisdom and insight. We have been given wisdom and, and insight or, or wisdom and understanding because we're in Christ, teacher, because we're in Christ, Dirk, because we're in Christ, Bonnie, because we're in Christ, Barbara, we have been given the wisdom and the understanding of God. Oh, my God, that's good stuff. He says, because we in Christ, here's the benefit that we have been given wisdom and understanding of the things of God. So what is he saying? He says, look, he says, because we in Christ, God has uh, uh, bestowed upon us his wisdom and his understanding that we may understand the things of God. Oh, oh that's good stuff. He says that, that, that in Christ, we have been given wisdom and understanding, godly wisdom and understanding, understanding that we may understand, watch this, the things of God. If you're not in Christ, you can't understand the things of God. If you don't know Christ, you, you can't understand the things of God. God is gives to us who are believers his wisdom and his understanding. You can read the Bible all you want. You can pray all you want, but if you don't have a personal relationship with God, if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you will never, ever understand the wisdom of God. You will never understand the things of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that, the, um, let's turn to that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's turn over. 
to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, look what it says. It says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Look at that. He says the natural man. The natural man is the one who don't know God. The natural man is the one, Tammy, who have not surrendered their life to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The natural man, little Linda, is the one that, that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He said the natural man cannot understand the things of God. The, the natural man can't, can't understand the things of God. They have no insight. They have no wisdom about the word of God and about the things of God. Watch this. The other day, me and my brother Joe, we was out and we was uh, talking to a gentleman. We had a chance to talk to a gentleman. Um, uh, I don't know him. My brother Joe didn't know him. But we just opened a conversation. And we uh, was talking to him about, you know, just about his job and what he do. And, um, you know, he, he was a little feisty guy, a little feisty guy. And we was talking to him. And, and then I asked him, I said, man, so what church you go to? Well, I don't go to church. I, I don't believe in none of that stuff. He said, matter of fact, I, I'm a Muslim and I don't even believe in that. And I, I said, well, 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 what do you believe in? He said, I believe in myself. And I said, okay, that's, I mean, I understand how you feel, and, and I'm going to keep on moving. Because right now, the way his tone was is that he was coming off so strong that I knew that, God, you will have to open up to him. You will have to open him up to understand your wisdom, to understand who you are. I, I, I can't do it. And this wisdom that God gives us, it opens our eyes to the spiritual things of God, Pandora. It opened Marsha. It opened our eyes. Sean, Keisha, Nikki, it opened our eyes to the things of God. He says that, that, that in Christ, we have, the, we have godly wisdom and understanding. God has come into our life through the uh, Holy Spirit who dwells in us and had opened our eyes, Heather and Donna, to the things of God. That's why you can understand the things of God. Remember before you were saved, you, you didn't understand nothing, nothing about God. I remember growing up in D.C. and right across the street from my house was a Baptist church. And I couldn't understand why those people was in church all the time. They go to church all Saturday. Come back on Sunday, they in there all day Sunday, then back in there on Monday, then back in there on Tuesday, and back in there on Wednesday, and back in there on Thursday. Only time they didn't come was Friday. And if they had a revival, they was in there on Friday. I couldn't, I, I couldn't understand Deacon Allen. I couldn't understand Daryl. I couldn't understand Sean. I couldn't understand Iris, why they was in church so much. I, I, I can't understand. Some people can't understand how you can give your money to God. If God was God, why I need to pay tithes? Don't he own everything? He don't need my money. They don't understand the things of God. They, they don't understand the things of God. How can you go in there and work in church? How can you be so committed to the church? How can you do this for the church and do that for the church? And when they talk, they speak because they don't understand the things of God. Because when you understand the things of God, when God opened your eyes, because we're in Christ, God opened our eyes. We know that we need to be in church. You better thank God that I'm in church Monday. You better thank God that I'm in church on Tuesday. You better thank God I'm in church on Wednesday. You better thank God that I'm in church on Thursday. You better thank God I'm in church on Friday. You better thank God. I'm 
I'm in church on Saturday. You better thank God I'm in church on Sunday because if I wasn't, I'd be robbing you right now. I'd be beating you up and busting through your doors and doing all that crazy stuff. But because of the grace of God, I thank God for giving me wisdom. I thank God that I'm in him and I have the wisdom to see the things of God have changed my life. Why am I in church? Because God has been so good to me. Because his eye, he had opened my spiritual eyes and understanding to know that I need the wisdom of God to understand God and how I need God and why we need God. Even in the midst of this pandemic, God is causing me to see some things that I didn't know about him that now I know about him and I'm glad that I serve him because he has opened my eyes. Said so that in Christ, we have wisdom and understanding of the things of God. But to the man who don't know God, to the women digging out who don't know God, to the, to the women, Pastor Reese, who don't know God, they don't understand him. They don't understand the, the things of God. They don't understand the word of God where the word of God said those who will be uh, first will be last and those who will be last will be first. They don't understand, Carolyn. They don't understand, Brian. They don't understand, Wanda. They don't understand, Mildred. They don't understand the word of God. Because their eyes haven't been opened. But us who are in Christ, he has given us the wisdom and the understanding, Leonard. He has given us, Janice, the, the wisdom and understanding. Tamara, he has given us the wisdom and understanding. And watch this, because I like this. He says, in Christ, we have the, the wisdom and the understanding of God. But look at this. This wisdom that we have and understand it didn't come on our own efforts. Oh, my, my God, that's some good stuff. See, this, this wisdom, godly wisdom, don't come on our own effort. This, this wisdom, Teresa, this wisdom, Sharon, this, this, this wisdom don't come on our own effort, Sister Washington. Does this, this wisdom come from God? We, we're not smart enough to figure out God. We're not bright enough to, to know what God is doing. We're not, we're not smart. We're not good enough to, to figure out God because we are limited and God is unlimited. So this wisdom that we have don't come on our own effort. You can't work to get the wisdom of God. I don't care what your GPA say. I don't care what your SAT say. I don't care what your ACT say. I don't care even what your IQ say. I don't care what the numbers before your name, the letters before your name, and the letters after your name say. We can never understand the things of God without him giving us the wisdom. Without him giving us the wisdom. Lola, this wisdom comes from God, not, not, not by our own efforts. Not by our own desires. You, 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 you can't meditate enough to get the wisdom of God. You can't chant enough to get the wisdom of God. This wisdom comes from him, and we have it because we are in Christ. Paul goes on. In verse 10, look what he says in verse 10. He says the second thing, in Christ, we will be gathered together. He says, in Christ, the, the people of God in Christ will be gathered together. Now, look what he's saying, because this is important. And I'm going to read a lot here because I want you to get this. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this. The second thing we have here, we're in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 10 now. The first, first verse we was in, the first thing we got in verse 8 and 9 is that in Christ, we have been given godly wisdom and understanding. 
The second thing we have here in verse 10, in Christ, we will be gathered together. Look what it says in verse 10, that in the disposition of the fullness of the time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in, uh, both, both which are in, um, in heaven and which are, I mean, in heaven and which are on earth in him. He says that we be gathered together all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. Watch this. He says, now, now the disposition of the fullness of time is a reference to the completion of history. Now, I got, I got to teach right here. I got to teach right here. That phrase, disposition of the, of the fullness of time, is a reference to the completion of, the, of, of history, which is at the millennium. So this disposition, disposition of time, of the fullness of time, is talking about the millennial time. So watch this. Those who are in Christ will be gathered together in him. We are in Christ. This is encouragement. Because we in Christ are going to be gathered together. So watch this. So the scripture has laid out for us a timeline of events that will occur. Okay? The scriptures have laid out for us a timeline of events that will occur. We still talk about the dispensation of, um, of the fullness of time, which referred to the millennium. Now, the scripture had laid out a timeline of events, starting in Acts chapter 2, okay? In Acts chapter 2, which is known as the day of Pentecost, which the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples of Jesus Christ after his ascension into the heaven, into heaven is known for the start of the church age. Let me say that again. Acts chapter 2, which is the day of Pentecost, which the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in the, dwelt in the lives, dwelt in, lived in, the, came into the disciples and lived in them. That is called the church age. The church age started in Acts chapter 2. Now we are living in the church age. That's why we have the church, because we are living in the church age. Now, here it is. The church age is also talked about in Revelation chapter 2, 3, and 4 when it looks at the seven churches. So that is also talking about the church age, which we live in, the church age. We are in the church age right now. That's why we have church. So the church age, that, that's, that's the first event. Okay? We're we going to get to the disposition of the fullness of time. We're speaking of the millennium. Get to the millennium. So now we're in the church age. Jesus Christ says no one know the time or the place when Jesus will come back, when God will come back. So now we know, according to scripture, the second event that will happen after the church age. Watch this. The second event that will happen after the church age or the next event that will happen after the church age is the rapture. Okay? The rapture is found in... 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, Latanya, Cherie, the, the, the 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. And it explains, and here it is. The rapture is when Jesus Christ is going to come in the air. He's going to come in the air, and those who are dead in Christ, whether in the church age 
or in the Jewish time or in the Old Testament time will be rose from the dead, will rise from the dead and meet Jesus in the air. And then those who are alive, which who are here during the time of the church age, if you are alive and Jesus Christ come at the rapture, you will be caught up with him. But the ones, in, the ones who are dead will rise first and then we will be caught up if we're here alive. So let me explain it to you. So Jesus Christ would crack the sky, come in the air, he would stay in the air, and those dead will rise. Those in him will rise. Then those who are here who are saved will be caught up. So if it happened today, and all of a sudden, you see Pastor Pugh leave this live site, that means I'm caught up and you ain't saved. <laughs> okay? So that, that's, that's the second event. That's called the rapture. That's called the rapture, and that's found in 1 Thessalonians. Chapter, um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. And then the next event after the rapture is called the, uh, the tribulation period. Okay? Now, the tribulation period, watch this. The tribulation period is found in Daniel chapter 9, Matthew 24 through 21, 24, chapter 24, 21 and Revelation chapter 8. So now Jesus Christ in the rapture will be there in the air. He will, all those dead in Christ will rise first, and then those who are here will be remain, will be caught up. Now watch this. Now the tribulation. The tribulation will come immediately after the rapture. Okay? Now the tribulation is a seven-year period. Okay? The tribulation is a seven-year period. And the seven years broken down into half. So we have three and a half years of tribulation and three and a half years of great tribulation. And that tribulation means that, that God will bring judgment on the earth. So in the time, in the period of the tribulation, watch this, you're learning now. In a, in a period of the tribulation, this is what's going to happen. The Antichrist is going to come. And the Antichrist is going to show himself to be Christ. So in the time of the tribulation, the church age will be done with, so we'll be no more church. We'll go back to uh, uh, sacrificing and, and going to the temple, and, and um, we'll have animal sacrifice. We're going back to that because in the, God has to deal with the Jews, has to deal with the Jews because he put them on a shelf, and he, and he came to church age, so he got to deal with the Jews. So he go back to that and deal with them in the tribulation. So he bring judgment on them. So now the Antichrist will come and show himself as Christ. He would do miracles. He would deceive even the noble people, even the strong people of faith. He would deceive them and make them believe that he is the Christ. So once they believe that he is the Christ, what's going to happen? He's going to stamp the sign of the beast on them. So now they belong to him. But in that time, watch this, in that time, God will send out some witnesses, which are the 144. The 144, which the Jehovah Witness talk about, that these will be the only ones saved, is not true. The 144 that will be sent out are witnesses to share the gospel of Jesus Christ during the time of the, great, of the tribulation. So they will go out and share Christ. So at that time, you will be able to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You will be able. But once you do, you're going to get killed. You're going to die immediately. And those who don't are going to try to kill themselves, but they're not, they not going to be able to die. That is the great tribulation. That is the tribulation period, which is seven years. But what is the dispensation of the fullness of time? Because he says that in Christ we'll be gathered together. So after the tribulation period is over, immediately we'll go into the millennial period. Now, the millennial period, which is found 
in Revelation chapter 20, the millennial period, uh, which is found in Revelation chapter, chapter 20, this is the dispensation of the fullness of time. So all of that will happen, and now we're in the millennial period, which is the dispensation of the fullness of time. So now what will happen, millennial period will, will last a thousand years. So at that time, Christ will come back, not in the air, but will set foot down on earth. And in that time, he will set foot down on earth, and everyone who believes in Jesus Christ will come back with him. And we will come back to earth, and we will reign and, we will reign and rule with Christ during that time, that thousand-year period, which the devil and Satan will be locked it up, will be bounded for a thousand years. Now watch this. Now this is a gathering together. That's encouragement to know that at the end of time that we are going to be gathered together. Watch this. It, it get better than that because the gathered together, meaning that every one of us who accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior will be gathered together. Watch this, Monique. Watch this, Marvin. There's some good stuff that we'll be gathered together. So that means black and white will worship God together. That means Latinos will worship God together. That means Asian Americans and Indians and Africans will worship God together. All of us who have accepted Jesus Christ and believe in the bosom of Abraham, we all will worship God together. That means that there will be no more racism. There will be no more partiality. There will be no more injustice because we all will come together and worship God together. Guess what? I'm going to blow your mind on this one because not only are we going to be gathered together, but because we'll be gathered together, there'll be no more Baptists. There'll be no more Catholics. There'll be no more Pentecostal. There'll be no more AME. There'll be no more CME. There'll be no more this and no more that. There will only be the kingdom of God and the people who worship him. And this is a dispensation of time that when the time come in the millennium, guess what? You can be encouraged because you may be facing racism right now. You may be facing injustice right now, but our Savior is coming back and we will gather together and be with him. He will gather us together, black and white. We'll worship God together and wouldn't even think about, oh, you white and I'm black. We will stand on our knees. We will hold our hands up and thank God that we will be gathered together in Christ. Us in Christ will be gathered together in Christ, knocking down all barriers. All barriers will be knocked down. We'll be unified as one body in Christ, worshiping God. On our knees, prostrated ourselves, worshiping our Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, John. We'll be worshiping them, Lacey. We'll be giving them glory, Kim. We'll be giving them glory, Tammy. We'll be giving them glory, Sadie. We'll be giving them glory, Andrea. We'll be worshiping them, Ann Cuddy, and we'll be worshiping them together without any partiality. Sister Brown and Kim Hart, we'll be worshiping God together. That is a dispensation of time. That in Christ... We'll worship God together. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about that. I'm excited that we'll worship God together. Paul said that in Christ, he says in Christ, we have the wisdom and the understanding of God. In Christ, we will come together and worship. Then he says in verse number 11 and 12, he says, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance from God. Oh, my God. Now, when I said that, I thought y'all was going shake to the, shake the table over here. I thought y'all was going to shake the cameras over here. Because when y'all know when y'all peoples die, y'all looking for an inheritance. You know, you, some of y'all can't wait for some people to die so you can get their money. And now when I talk about inheritance, y'all act like y'all don't even know about that. He says that in Christ, we will have an inheritance. 
Look what he said in verse 11 and 12. It said, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. He said, guess what, y'all? In Christ we have an inheritance. Oh, that's some good stuff. That's some good stuff because we are children of God. We're going to inherit the things of God. He said, in Christ, we have an inheritance that Christ has set us up with an inheritance. That means we're going to receive something for Christ. And I said, well, what is the inheritance? You know what the inheritance is? He says that your inheritance is that you are a child of God. Oh, my God, you should be excited to know that I'm a child of God, Miss Cunningham, that I'm a child of God, that I inherited being a child of God. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I'm a child of God, that my father sits high and look low that my father has all power in his hand that anything I'm going through even the pandemic even rough times God can make a way out of no way that God can take a dead church and make it a live church that God can take a dead marriage and make it a live marriage that God can take a bad relationship and kindle it together to reconcile I'm so glad that I'm in the family of God that I heard being a child of God but what else inheritance we gonna get he said we gonna going to inherit everlasting life, eternity. Oh my God, that's so exciting. That, that means that we're going to live forever. That we're going to live with Christ together. For all of us in Christ, we have eternal life and I'm thankful that God has given me that inheritance. That's why he said glorify him. That's why he said praise him. That's why he said praise of his glory. You need to praise him right now, thanking him that you are his child. Not only that you are his child, but you inheriting everlasting life life that that means you will live forever and 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 beyond. I'm so glad that God has given me that inheritance, that I have everlasting life, Vicky, that I have everlasting life, Vivian, that I have everlasting life, Charles, that I have everlasting life, Mr. John, that I have everlasting life, Sister Ina, that I have everlasting life, Sister Will. Thank you, God, that I have everlasting life that he has inherited me where I will live forever with him. And I don't know why some of you all can't get a but let me help you out because the scripture says in Revelation about this everlasting life. The scripture talk about in Revelation chapter 21 about the everlasting life that we're going to have and we're going to inherit. The scripture in Revelation 21 says it like this. God will wipe away all of our tears. Every tear we will have from our eyes. That God will um, there will be no mourning. There will be no crying or pain. And then Revelation chapter 5 13 says it like this. That all we're going to do is praise our Savior all day long I don't know about you but I can't wait till my eternal life come where I won't be no more pain it won't be no more crying it won't be no more mourning and the streets will be painted with gold because in Christ we will inherit being his children and everlasting life says that we will have that in Christ we will have that in Christ Nicky and Kenneth we have had that in Christ. This is what we have. This is our position and the benefits that we have in Christ. This is encouraging. But Paul gives us one more thing. And I'm out your way. He gives us one more thing. He says, let's go back over. We're in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 8 through 14. In Christ, part 3. He tells us in Christ, 
we have all godly wisdom and understanding. In verses 8 and 9, then he come back in, uh, in verse 10, and he said, then Christ will be gathered together. We'll be gathered together in the dispensation of time, which is the millennial period. Then he come back in verse 13 and 14, and he says, in Christ, we have an inheritance. What, if our, what is our inheritance? That we are children of God and that we inherit everlasting life, eternity. That we'll spend eternity with God. I mean, I don't know about you, but some people will go and spend eternity in hell. But I thank God. On the lake of fire, Sean, I thank God that I'm eternity is in heaven with God. But then he comes now and he lays out for us right here in verse 13 and 14. He says, in Christ, we have salvation. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. See right there? See, this is how you know when you got too sedity in church. Because when you hear salvation, you right there should have been jumping around. I mean, your table should have been flipping over. Your wig should have been flying off. Teeth should have been coming out your mouth. You kicking your heels or your slippers off, thanking God for salvation. So he says that in Christ, we have salvation. Let's look at this. Let's look at this verse 13 and 14. Look at this. He says, in him... You also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having been have um, in, in in him also in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit, a promise, who is the guarantee of your inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of His glory. He says that in Christ, we have salvation. Watch this. The word salvation means deliverance. In Christ, we have deliverance. Okay, so what have we been delivered from? Pastor Peter, what, 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 what have we been delivered from? We have been delivered from the power of sin. Mm. That's all I get is Amen. That's all, that's all I get is a heart and a thumbs up and a clap. I mean, some of you all should be shouting right now. See, the problem is you think you deserve to be saved, but you know it's by God's grace that he saved your life, that God delivered you from the power of sin. But not only does it mean that you have been delivered from the power of sin, watch this. Salvation means that you have been delivered from condemnation. What is condemnation? That means eternal separation from God. Maybe now I can get some thank you, God. Maybe now I can get some hallelujahs. Maybe now I can get go ahead, Pastor Pew. Preach that thing because salvation allowed us to be free from condemnation. What is condemnation? Mean that I'm no longer separated from the life of God. That now I'm in God. And he says, in Christ you have salvation. He says, in Christ you have salvation. In Christ you have deliverance from sin. In Christ, you've been delivered from the power of sin. In Christ, you have been delivered from condemnation. No more hell for you, but you will have eternal life because of the salvation of God. And he says that we have in Christ salvation. We have deliverance from Christ. We have deliverance in Christ. But watch this, because this is very important. Because as an expository preacher, I got to look at the whole text. So now Paul tells us that we have salvation, Sarita. 
He tells us Dick and Dixon. He tells us Tamara. He tells us Colleen. He tells us Jeanette. He tells us Jackson. He tells us Lua Man. He tells us Jazz and Lamont that we have salvation. Carlin and Brian and Tammy and Kim and, and, and Kim Hardy and all the rest of y'all. He tells you that we have salvation. But now he tells us how we obtain salvation. See, because some of you all believe that you can get to God on your own merit. Some of you all think that you can get to God any way you want to. Some of you all think you can lie, you can sleep with whoever you want, smoke whatever you want, drink whatever you want, gamble whatever you want, party whatever you want, cuss all you want, and you still going to have a good relationship with God. But he says that this is how salvation comes. Look what he says. He says salvation comes not by your own merit. Salvation don't come by your own gifts. Salvation don't come by being a good person. Salvation doesn't come by works. Look what he says. He says in verse 13, he said, in him you also trusted. Salvation come by your belief, by you trusting in Jesus Christ. Look what he said. You trusted not in anything. Because some of y'all trusting in anything. Some of y'all trusting in anything right now. You trusting in Lysol to drink Lysol to get rid of this coronavirus. You trusting in, in our president who haven't showed us nothing to be trustworthy in. I'm not even going to go there, but you trust in anything. And he said, but here, you trusted in God. And look, look how he lay out salvation. You trusted in the gospel of your salvation. He said, you trusted in the gospel of your salvation. He said that you trusted in the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the finished work of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the shed of his blood. He said that that's how you got salvation, because you placed your faith in that. You didn't get salvation because you look good, because you got the best wig on a rack, because you got straight teeth, because you got on Gucci this and Louis Vuitton this and this and that. You got there because you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He said that you trusted in the gospel of your Savior, in whom haven't you believed. And guess what? He says, in your salvation. He says, in your salvation, you have been sealed to the day of redemption. He said, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. He says, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. He says that you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. He says that in Christ, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Watch this. Right here, I bought a glass. And this glass right here, I brought. Now this is you. This is, your, this is your life. This is your soul. This is your spirit. This is your spirit right here. This is your spirit. This is your spirit. You save. And he says that, that this, word, this word sealed by the Holy Spirit actually means security. It means security, that you are secure. So now I'm going to take this glass and they're going to wrap this glass. Wrap this glass for me. Wrap the glass for me, please. Thank you. Sorry for throwing it. Can you pass me the other glass? Pass me, pass me the glass. So look. So look, this glass has been wrapped in bubble wrap. So he says that you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. So the glass is your spirit that Jesus Christ has sealed you in. He has sealed you in, in the Holy Spirit. He has, he has sealed you up with the Holy Spirit. But watch this. You have been sealed in the Holy Spirit, which means that you are secure. So that means that if you're secure in Christ, you, you can drop and won't fall. I'm trying to help you understand. See, the pandemic has caused some of us to drop. 
The pandemic has caused some of us to fall. But guess what? Long as you wrapped up around the spirit of God and secure in the spirit of God, guess what? You okay. So it don't matter what you go through. Yes, you're going through a bad time. Yes, you're going through a rough time. Yes, you may lost your job. But know that you are secure in Jesus Christ. That you are secured in Jesus Christ. That you are wrapped up with the spirit. And I like what the scripture says. Because Jesus says, once you in my hand, I will put my hand in your father's hand and when I put your hand in the father's hand no one can snatch you out but then Ephesians chapter 14 goes a little further and he said not only you secure sometimes not only you secure most of the time but he said it's guaranteed that you will never lose your salvation that you will never see death in eternal death again that you will spend time in glory because you sealed until the day of redemption thank Thank you, Lord, for selling me. That's what we have in Christ. You need to know in Christ, you have all the benefits you need. In Christ, you have all the benefits you need. Every single benefit you have. Your position in Christ should encourage you that even in a time of pandemic, you are okay. Because you are sealed in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit got you, baby. The Holy Spirit got you. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me introduce you to him. He died on the cross for you. Knowing that you was a sinner, knowing that you wasn't worthy, but he died. And today, here's our opportunity. Is there one today want to surrender their life to Jesus Christ? I talked three weeks about being in Christ to encourage us as believers. But now here it is for unbelievers. If you want that, that we have, that benefit in Christ, just say I do. Just say one. I want to surrender my life. We got people looking. We got people looking. Just say, I want that. I want that. I want that in Christ. I want one, one. Do we have one? Do we have one that want to surrender their life to Jesus Christ? Because you need to know that you, you, you have these benefits that when times like this, when pandemic come, you won't be rattled. You won't be shaken. You won't be broken because you know that I am in Christ. And I have these benefits in this position. And I'm so glad that you was here to hear this message. Share this message. Go on our website. They're on our website. Send it out. Let people know that you are in Christ. Encourage people. And you be encouraged. That in Christ, in Christ we have all these benefits. In chapter, from chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 1 to verse 14, the benefits that we have in Christ and the position that we hold. I thank you so much. I'm passionate people for listening to me. And I just want to pray for you, Father God. Thank you for being God. I love you, Lord God. Have your way with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.